Chapter Twelve: A Priest on Horseback, Father Farmer, seventeen twenty to seventeen eighty six, by Eva Capetz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Twelve: The Little Tin Box. A large part of the congregation was still waiting when Father Farmer returned to the hall. They looked at the solemn face of the priest as he fell to his knees and began to pray. Out of the depths I have cried unto thee, O Lord, he began. There was a rustle as the waiting people slipped from the backless benches on which they had been seated and knelt on the floor. Most of them knew the De Profundis and realized that Father Farmer saying it meant that they had lost their schoolmaster. Two women went quietly out of the hall and over to the tavern to prepare the body for burial. When prayers for the dead were finished, Father Farmer turned his attention to the living. Candidates for baptism ranged from infants in arms to their parents and grandparents. Advice was given in matters of conscience. Some of the people just wanted to talk with the priest, to feel closer to the church they loved. He received the names of people who had had to leave, but who were anxious to see him. Then he went to the tavern. Father Farmer, Mr. Leslie called him to a corner of the taproom. I'd like you to go over Mr. Scanlon's things with me. Has he a family, do you know? Is there someone to whom his possessions should be sent? We know nothing about him, Father. A few years ago our school was closed for want of a teacher. Then he appeared at my door one day, asking if he might work for some food in a night's lodging. Although it was a warm day, he was wearing a heavy bearskin coat and seemed completely exhausted. Did he never tell you where he had come from, or where he was going? He did not, Father. He talked much and well of many things, but never of himself. The two men moved toward the room where Scanlon lay, clothed in his best. The women had finished their task and were waiting to see if there was anything else they could do. He will be buried tomorrow, Father? asked one of the women. I suppose so. You know nothing of a family or friends? Of his family, no. As to friends, everyone in Aquaconoc Landing was his friend. Was he a Catholic, do you know? I don't know, nor, I think, does anyone else. He may be buried with our family, said the other woman. My children loved him dearly. It was arranged that the schoolmaster would be buried the next morning in the family graveyard, some distance down the river. Father Farmer and Mr. Leslie went into the room, which had been his. Had he any money, do you know? the priest asked. If so, we should have some others with us to decide what disposition should be made of it. I think he had none, Father. He was paid a small sum each month, and he had his keep, of course. Often hard cash was not available, so he would take linen or leather or other goods for his pay. Then the next month he would have shoes or shirts made. When he did get money, he would save it until a ship was going to New York, and he would commission the captain to buy him a book. The two men saw a small tin box under his bed. He carried that when he came here, and was always most careful of it, said Mr. Leslie. I never saw what was in it, however. Perhaps it will give us some clue as to his family and where they are. Shall we look? I think we must. The two men drew the little box from its hiding place and carried it to the window. It was locked, but the lock was rusty and gave under a slight pressure. The first thing they saw when they opened it was a withered rose which crumpled at a touch. Under it was a pair of silver shoe buckles, such as are worn at parties and dances. 
nothing in these to tell anything about the man who had treasured them except perhaps that in ireland his life had been quite different from what it was here but on the bottom of the box there was a newspaper clipping ran away december twenty fifth last father Fremmer read aloud from john scott of hanover township morris county province of new jersey a servant man james murphy five feet eight inches pitted with smallpox yellow hair tied behind served with said scott as a schoolmaster had on a bearskin coat with hair buttons light-colored routine jacket check shirt leather breeches worsted stockings and pumps whoever secures him shall have a forty shillings reward john scott written across the paper in fine handwriting were the words john scanlon alias there was silence when the priest finished reading what shall we do father mr leslie asked finally i think that you should put away the box and its contents for safe keeping the priest decided it might be that some day one of james murphy's family would come seeking him and mr scott james murphy cannot serve out the rest of his indenture now answered father farmer i suppose it was breaking his contract that used to fret him commented mr leslie that seemed likely but the people around here do we need to the people here knew and loved john scanlon schoolmaster we will bury him tomorrow a surprising number of people left their work the following day to pay their last respects to the schoolmaster the little cortege walked behind the wagon from the tavern down the river road and up the lane which climbed the hill to the burial plot where he was laid to rest all of them had only kind and loving things to say of the man they had known as john scanlon teacher of their children the little tin box which held the story of his life was put carefully away in mr leslie's tavern the next few days were busy ones for the priest may had grown suddenly warm and humidity hung over the Passiok river valley it was hard to breathe and moving around was a great effort but from dawn until dark father farmer was working hard the people in aquaconoc had waited long and wanted to make the most of having a priest in their midst once again he selected the few of those who knew their faith best and who could learn quickly he trained them as best he could in the few days at his disposal to teach others the basic truths of the faith perhaps i can ride this way again in the fall he said i'll expect some fine catechism classes ready for me after almost a week he decided he could stay no longer soon father hardening would begin to worry that he had met with an accident as he rode toward second river men waved to him from the fields and children left their tasks to run to the road to shout a good-bye he reached the busy town of newark before midday and stopped to visit with various families whom he knew there to woodbridge and brunswick to princeton maidenhead and at last to trenton it took another two weeks to go through the colony stopping where he was needed saying mass at friendly farmhouses sleeping in the fields and sections where catholics were suspect he had hoped that on this trip he might get out to great egg harbor but the stay at aquaconoc landing had delayed him and passage through the cedar swamps would be long and hard as it was may was nearly gone when he once again stopped at patrick colvin's house which he reached toward evening this is a coincidence said patrick after he had greeted the priest the last time i saw you was in march the day young sebastian hoss was on his way home to his wifeless house so i haven't seen him since either until this very morning when i ferried him over on his way to philadelphia was he any happier than he was the last time we saw him happier 
Patrick considered the matter a moment. No, I couldn't say he was happy exactly, but at least he was not rebellious. He had the air of a man with a job to do, and if he didn't much like the job, at least he was going to do it. I'm glad he has accepted life, the priest said. It will be easier for him, and he'll get more done, too. He had a fine load of pelts he was bringing in to sell. All three brothers are working at it, and between them there will not be an animal left in the colony before long. I suppose he has a market for them. Patrick Colvin's eyes twinkled. Indeed he has, and he won't mind a bit delivering the skins. The priest looked questioningly at Patrick. It seems that some weeks ago a Philadelphia man was out buying skins for his tannery. By chance he stopped at the Haas home, or it seemed to them by chance, and inquired if they had skins for sale. And do you know who the man was? Father Farmer knew that no answer was expected, so he waited quietly for Patrick to continue. It was a Mr. Bridge. The man who... The same. The one to whom Sebastian's credit is indentured. Patrick paused to let the import of this coincidence sink in. He made himself very friendly with the three brothers, and when he was leaving, told them that he'd take all the good skins they could bring in. He's a good man, father. Shrewd, gruff sometimes, but good. In the morning, Patrick took the priest across the river to Pennsylvania. The horse was less fractious than he had been on the trip up over two months before, less eager in covering the miles. It was good that he would have a long rest before the long fall journey came. After the hills and valleys and farmlands of New Jersey, the city seemed hot and noisy to Father Farmer. Heavy farm carts rattled and rumbled over the streets. Four-horse coaches dashed by at great speed. Private carriages demanded right away. There must be several hundred families, all within a few square miles. Father Farmer was glad to reach the peace of St. Joseph's. He reported on his trip to Father Harding, and they wondered if it would not be possible to get a missionary from Europe to come to live in New Jersey. The Catholic population is growing all the time, said Father Farmer. There must be several scores of them in the northern part of the colony alone. I know, sighed the other priest. This colony has worried us for a long time. Some years ago, before the Indians removed to Brotherton, a Dr. Nicholas Roach from New York went over to Aquaconoc Township to instruct them. He lived with a family at a place called Westbrook. Through a friendly interpreter, he taught the Indians. And he did what he could to instruct the colonists, too. The Indians have been moved away, and Dr. Roach is dead. What remains of his teachings among the colonies, no one knows. The two priests sat in silence for a while, brooding on the problem, and trying to think of a possible solution. We must pray for more men to come, said Father Harding at last, and we must be grateful for your youth and strength, for my days are running out. It was true, Father Farmer noticed with a start. The older priest had failed a great deal, even in the short time his assistant had been gone. He, Father Farmer, must try to spare his superior all he could to carry even more of the ever-growing load. End of chapter 12 Recording by Maria Therese